Hello and welcome to the Ride It Out podcast, the official podcast of Summer Hats, the world's wildest car festival. My name's Jay Benz and I'm joined by my mate, Owen Webb, a.k.a. Webby. Webby, what's going on? Plenty going on. Another great week, mate, and uh, I'm really looking forward to a bit of a sneak peek tonight. With, uh, I caught up with Troy Chapenia um, last week from the US, had a good chat with him and got a bit of a sneak peek tonight. Uh, and you can see the full interview on Thursday night at 8.30 on this same bat channel. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Make sure you guys get busy in the comments early for your chance to win some Summer Nats season passes and a Street Machine merch pack, which will be given away right after Marv's always epic rant. Winners will be chosen from the live YouTube comments. Tonight's show is a ripper. We've got top American car builder Troy Trapania. That's going to be great. Then we have Commodore King, Damien Chubby Lowe. And finishing off the show is Car Content Masters 1320 video. We've got Kyle and Matt from there. So, Webby, that's going to be mad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, guests tonight. We're really stepping up, aren't we? You spent a bit of time last week with one of the greatest car builders of the modern era, right? Tell us what happened there. Yeah, I did, Josh. And uh, so last week I caught up with who I think is probably one of the best, if uh, definitely in the top three car builders in the world, Troy Trapania from Rad Rides in the US. He's been knocking out some of the best-known builds in the world for over the last 30 years, and I was fortunate enough to spend well over an hour with him just discussing some of his past builds, uh, some of his history, and and definitely about a lot of the people he builds for. That's something that's really interesting. And, of course, what's on the horizon for Rad Rides in the coming up. So right now we're going to check out a five-minute highlight of that interview. There's a little bit about the 36 Ford Coupe, first love he built, and it won the Riddler Award at Detroit Auto Arm in 2007. Thank you, um obviously had a fantastic reputation as it was growing from the sniper and all that and for those years. You built some awesome cars, but I actually want to touch on in early 2007, you built the Riddler, the 35 Ford Coupe First Love. And I, I just want to want you to give people a bit of an insight of what it takes to build a Riddler car. I know it's such a such an effort. You know, that was a, a great thing. We, were on, we unveiled the uh, 32 Ford I built for Roger Ritzau. Um, and it was the top 75 most influential 32 Fords of all time. It made that list. So it was a really nice car. And my dad had met Ross Myers at a, a Mustang event that summer and talking to him, gave him a little bit of time and Ross appreciated it. So he's like, Hey, I got a car I'd like to do, you know, for the Riddler and my talking to my dad a little bit. So my dad came home and goes, Hey, I met this guy, you know, and, and, uh, he's talking about maybe building a Riddler car. He's got, it's a 36 Ford and Roadster. And they, I'm like, okay, does he, does he, you know, does he know what it takes? So Ross ended up flying here then for the unveiling of Roger's car. That's when I first met him. And he really liked Roger's car, that style. So that was good. So I sat down and talked with him and he's trying to show me the project. And, and he said, well, I bought this car when I was nine for $25. Wow. I kept it in my father's barn for, you know, 40 years. And I'm at that moment right there, I knew I had the right customer. You know, he had the yes. passion and, and Ross and Beth were unbelievable. So, so going in, you know, I had the team assembled here and you have the right customer. And my, my whole approach on that car Owen, was to give people something to look at that they haven't seen before. Like they're not comparing it the whole time they're looking at it. So there's only so much you can do to the outside of a car. So we did all the wedge and chop and all that stuff. Right. But the bottom is where obviously where we went crazy on the mechanical side of it and and there's nobody that laid under that and was looking under how we did all that and said, wow, you know, referencing in her head, well, I've seen that before. So 
that was the approach we took. And I think that was the difference maker in that car. And I mean, it, it was an unbelievable uh, effort. We, the last six months of that car, we worked 18 hours a day, seven days a week. We had cots here and I had a, there was about 20 of us working on it. I mean, it was a monumental effort and it just came together at the end. And, and I still think to this day, and I think Chip would even agree and the other guys, if you, if they had a, a winner of all winners and you brought it back still and against everybody, I, not being naive, but I, it'd be really hard to beat the way the bottom was engineered and the way it was done because it was so unique. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm glad you said that because I was going to actually, I was going to force it out if if you're too humble to say that because (laughs) that car, like you say, the engineering was like, just go into that a little bit about what the engineering was underneath that car. You know, so what I did is we did a twin I-beam front end, which it had two control arms, but it had a transverse leaf still, but it was up inside of it. So you didn't, on the entire car, you didn't see any shocks or springs. The rear was mm. cantilevered in behind the back seat, so you didn't see no shocks or springs anywhere on the car. So that was kind of a, a unique thing. And then the back was a, a quick change with inboard drum brakes, not disc brakes. So yeah, you right. know, it looked to be drums, you know what I'm saying? So that was kind of unique. Yeah. And all the underneath, all the fasteners were um, blind fasteners. Most of them were hidden. It was all double-skinned. Um, you know, it had a, it had a, a, a real, um, uh, gosh, what was, oh, a FE motor in it, you know, a legit aluminum FE motor in it, fuel injected and, you know, yeah. and everything. And just the 36 Roadster in general is pretty, pretty rare and trick, but it was wedged, chopped, you know, just cut every way you can cut it. And I'd, I'd really always like to do a street version of the car because I felt we got the shape of the body real nice. But uh, yeah. the, really the bottom of it, the bottom of it was the key. I mean, there were so many details that made your head spin. I think about it once in a while and it was just yeah. unbelievable how it came together. And, and uh, I, wish, I wish we could build it today, but the guys I got today and the equipment we have and the know-how now, it would be a, it'd be even a much better car. It'd be a lot yeah. more usable and things like that. But uh, it's nice. Uh, Ross actually has an incredible showroom at his place in Pennsylvania. Uh, collections un, like nothing you've ever seen and the buildings as trick as the car it's an old furniture warehouse he restored and he had it on this the display in its own room like we displayed it forever for a long time and then now he's moved it to the he always wanted people to see the bottom of it so now yeah. he put a one inch, one inch thick glass floor in and he put the car on the second floor so when you walk in the building you look up you're looking at the bottom of it. it's really something great 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 guy we're actually going to build him another car we can talk about that in a minute yeah good yeah, that car is really something else like that. Uh, if it turned up at the river next year, it would probably still win. If I had a fantastic time, he's a, he's a really good friend and I just love spending time with him. All right, we're here with Commodore King, Damien Chubby Lowe. Tell me, Damien, what's the best thing about the trusty Holden Commodore? Five word of power. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say nothing there, mate. They're gone. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. Hey, I'm not... Um, I'm not real sure about calling you Chubb anymore after losing all that weight. So um, what do I refer to you as? Um, chubby. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you're still cool with that, that's really yeah. good. I want to know what was your first Summonat's memory and which Summonat was it? Well, what's happened that year is uh, my T-shirt comp, there's a big brawl in the building that used to have in the dungeon hall. <laughs> Paddy Wagon doing burnouts in the cruise route. <laughs> what's all happening back then? <laughs> So, how old were you? Uh, probably nine. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. You don't remember anything about the cars, but you remember the wet T-shirt contest. That's Good on it, you. That's it. 
Mate, I um, I know your dad's really uh, your whole family is like in the cars, and your dad used to take you to some some events, didn't he? I, I'm, I'm aware of. Yep, been there every summer nights. Um, even before that, '84 Straight Machine Nationals in Canberra. Dad used to take us to Wagga Straight Machine Nationals and a lot of other local, like New South Wales based shows. Yeah, and with I'm guessing your brother Jason as well. He's really in the cars. Yeah, yeah, he was always there. He still gets around as well. So your dad still go to a few events with you guys? He he had a bit of a break for a while, but we got him down to the summer nights again this year and out of ball. So hopefully um, once all these restrictions lift, we can get him out again to a few more events. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I know I've seen him around and, mate, he just really loves it. And Yeah, he's, just, he's giving you guys a great grounding in cars, hasn't he? Yeah, it was great. Uh, good upbringing. Really enjoyed it. Wouldn't have it any other way. Mate, as, um, as Josh alluded to there, you are known as the Commodore King, and um, your first <laughs> BB there had the awesome engine bay. I mean, the whole car was good, but what gave you the inspiration to to really get such an awesome engine bay? It was just something I wanted to do. Um, Paul Cundy built a VK, and I had a really nice engine bay, and an orange one. That was very inspirational, and yeah, it just went from there. I just thought I wanted to build the best engine bay in the Commodore. Yeah, and you did that. I think you oh, won. yeah. You won that, didn't you, at one of the Summonats? Yeah, I won top engine bay at Summonats. That really was uh, an awesome engine bay. And I guess what I was thinking there is that you've probably done that because it shows off a lot of your engine parts and stuff for your business as well, doesn't it? Yeah, that was really um, what got me into the business. Um, a lot of custom-made stuff in my car, then people were asking for it, and it just went from there about 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, How's that business going? Yeah, good, really good at the moment. Um a lot of DIY stuff going out the door, everyone's staying at home and, and buying stuff. Um, yeah, can't complain, that's for sure. What sort of stuff do you make there? We just released this year like an engine bay smoothing kit for people at home to, to weld up all the holes in their engine bay on a Commodore. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, a dolly to go under the front of their cars when they strip them down and keep them mobile. Yeah, cool. Uh, yeah, and then there's all the... The CNC billet range of strut tops and you've got heaps of the build stuff, hey. Like yeah, you can pretty yeah. much fill your fill your whole car up with with billet yeah. stuff, pretty yeah. much, can't you? Really, yeah. strut strut tops and all the other stuff for um. Yeah. You made the uh the other the nice little cool air cleaner parts and you, you're doing a great job there, mate. I think the Commodore community certainly um latching onto it. I don't think I go to a car show and see a Commodore without something from 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 Lowy Fab. That's for sure. You should be yeah. yeah it's super. Thanks, Josh. Mate, I even heard you building an air cleaner with uh, a few diamonds in it at the moment. Would that be correct? <laughs> Word gets around <laughs> fast, doesn't it, Owen? <laughs> well, well, we're an unveil car, so we can't say too much about that one, eh? Owen pays all the right people to know all the good stuff, don't worry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was really, um, really, I thought was a really trick, and I reckon you did the ultimate road trip from Sydney to Perth in that Commodore we're talking about. So give us a bit of a rundown on that. That was awesome. Well, it was something I always wanted to do. Um, I'd never... Never travelled that car to a car show ever, um, and I wanted to take it to Perth, so there was only one way, and that was to drive it. It was in the middle of summer, probably wasn't the smartest thing to do, but we, we hit the road and we made it there and back, no dramas at all. Did you have aircon? No aircon, mate. Four <laughs> windows. Four by four and ten. What about the stereo working? <laughs> yeah, the stereo was working. Yeah. That was just, just after summer nights, wasn't it? You, you left? The yeah. week after summer night. And how long take you? Four days. Oh, because you would have went to motivation. Yeah, we went to motivation, yeah. So did you actually get to 
do a bit of sightseeing on the way? Not really, you know. We we stopped off at a couple of places, but um, there's not really much to see. Does it? Yeah, the Great Australian Bite through St Juno and that. There was a couple of nice places and that. But uh, how was the car condition-wise once you got there or, and, and got it back? Was it? Do you have any any little chips and stuff, or it's what does it do the trip like that? The window got a stone chip, paint and bodywork, and all that was was good on the trip over. But on the way back, we hit a pothole and done a bit of damage to the car, and that's pretty much why it's off the road still. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to, to repair that damage, yeah. What's going on there? Pretty much went a bit too, bit crazy with the build. We cut all the floor out. It's got 9-inch IRS in it, six-speed, still 308, obviously, twin turbos, remount, and 20-inch wheels all around. Wow. I, I noticed that some of that, I saw it in, in the trade hall. Uh, into someone that's 32, I believe it was, and, and you had the um, the intakes would go through the rear, the rear C pillars or something. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. something else. So now I need you to tell everybody so we can hold you to it. When is that reappearing? Just to be safe, we'll, we'll say about five years. No, 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 no. I won't <laughs> think that's an answer. Come on, we mate. Quicker, we need it quicker than that, mate. Yeah. In saying that, I just see on uh, Facebook that you've just bought an uh, SLE. What's the plans for that? Well, that comes back to Dad. Back in the day, he had a VB SLE, 308 four-speed, and that's what that car is, 308 four-speed car. It was at the right price, and they get pretty hard to find, and it was a good body. So I thought, well, we'll get that, and I'll we'll give that a quick rebuild and use a lot of parts I've got lying around. We'll have to go some other builds and pull in a few favours. Hopefully, we'll get on the road and get Dad out, out in it and let Dad drive to a few shows. and Awesome. Yeah, so he will be back. He yeah. will be back. <laughs> he, has no, he has no choice. He will be. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get the car and say, right, Dad, you're coming. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Fantastic. Yeah. All right, mate. People can catch up with you on Facebook or anything like that. you got it. What's your other socials there? Something yeah, the uh, Low Fabrications, Facebook, Instagram, Chubby's Garage, Facebook and Instagram pages as well. Keep doing what you do, mate. I know everybody in the in the in the Commodore scene appreciates what you do, and that's awesome, mate. It's everybody in the whole scene, Josh. I tell you, Chubby's yeah. one of the popular guys out there. So, thanks for everything you've done in the world, mate. Awesome. Right. Thanks, Alan. Appreciate it. Thanks for coming right, on. Thanks, thanks for coming on. on. We'll see you soon. Right. See you. Cheers, see mate. You, mate. Uh, that was great, Alan. What a what a gentleman of the scene, right? He is too good. Uh, absolutely. So we've got another cool interview coming up now. That I had to film this uh, crazy o'clock yesterday. It was even crazier o'clock in America when this podcast goes live now. So we, we did this yesterday and I caught up with Kyle and Matt from 1320 Video to chat about cars, events, videos and, and more. These guys have been to Summonats countless times and are huge fans of the event. So let's check out that interview right now. All right. We're here with Kyle from 1320 Video. What's happening, mate? Not too much. We're just hanging out here in uh, in Nebraska where we live. And uh, yeah, it's, it's actually pretty cold here right now. I got Matt with me here too. He's, he's one of our videographers. He's been over to Summonat. Hey Matt, how you going, mate? Twice. Good, how are you? Good, man. How many times have you been to the Nets? Twice. Yeah, right. Bit, a bit of a, uh, it's a pretty crazy car festival, that's for sure. <laughs> There's nothing else like it, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely awesome, um, Kyle. I wanted to, to uh, Sadie. Where does your passion for cars come from, mate? Uh, I just kind of fell into it um, when I was in high school. I just 
became obsessed with car audio, like sound competitions, make your car as loud as you can. Started taking pictures and videos of the shows that I went to and finding ways to share that stuff with the world. And I worked at a stereo shop. And then one of the guys there took me to a street race. And I started taking videos and photos of that stuff. And then that led into drag racing and started getting invited to all of the best of the best, you know, events around. And, um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I just moved from car audio to fast cars and just keep feeding that addiction. Just trying <laughs> to keep finding the weirdest, coolest cars to, to check out and share with the world. Yeah, absolutely. And I think is it while well, YouTube's like, big for you guys obviously now but it didn't start from there right it started with i believe with dvds etc yeah yeah back uh 2003 is about when i started filming and back wow. then there was no youtube there was no file sharing hosting systems you had to set up a web server yourself and so i hosted my actual website on my own my friend helped me set it up and it was actually at the um college dorms where i hosted the videos my first viral video shut down our network for like a day and a half <laughs> so my friend that had the computer shoved under the desk in the networking room told me I needed to find somewhere else to put my website. <laughs> then there was like street fire, uh, where you could go find car videos and then YouTube started kind of becoming a thing. And, uh, yeah, street fire was like a YouTube for car people back then, but it was all message boards and hosting your own files and stuff like that. Back then it was very expensive to, to host videos. Yeah, I bet. I, I know that that was a time when car forums were massive as well, I guess, really big. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. There was, I mean, I don't know, 40 different message boards that I would go to to post my photos and videos that people wanted to see. Yeah. It wasn't as easy as social media where you just post it one place and everyone shares it for you. <laughs> you yeah. had to do the sharing yourself. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of hard work, no doubt, which, which I guess in a, in a day and age, but of is that part of the reason why you think that you've been really successful is the hard work you put in back then when it was yeah. super hard that sort of yeah definitely just kind of got in early um before like sharing car videos of cars was a thing and before car channels were a thing it's kind of i didn't know what i was doing necessarily but i just liked sharing what i found with other people and now people are doing it all over the world you know it's it's a very popular thing now what was the what was the video that went viral? You're talking about? Um, there was a guy here with a regular cab Chevy pickup that uh, turbocharged it, and uh, it wasn't very common to turbocharge a gas pickup back then, especially a two door, and, and it was very stock looking. So I had the sleeper appeal, and uh, he would go out street racing. I'd ride shotgun with him and film the cars that were had no idea what was going to happen. Like we just pull up next to a Mustang, that loud exhaust and a cam. And he's like, oh, there's no way. He just laugh. Like, why would I race you? And then just four-wheel drive, just blow him away at the stoplight. <laughs> <laughs> and so we, we got, there was one video that got, I think, 1.2 million downloads in like a week. Wow. And so that was uh, definitely overloaded things. Yeah. Sort of like a two-part question. When did you realize that, that doing automotive media could become a full-time gig? And what did you sort of do before that? And then the, the, the transition? Um, well, I, the first DVD I sold didn't, didn't sell a ton. Um, so it was just like a hobby. And then I sold a second one. And shortly after that, someone asked me, like I made a couple shirts for me and a couple friends and then someone asked to buy one and I was kind of confused. Like, why would someone want to buy a shirt with my company on it? And then their friends would see it and they wanted one. 
And then all of a sudden I had like a merchandise store online. Uh, and then I started shipping them to like people in Australia and New Zealand, Japan, Taiwan. I'm like, what, what is happening? <laughs> and then that grew over four or five years or so. Um, you know, social media became really popular and Facebook kind of blew up our business. And that's when it like really like Facebook and YouTube together really blew things up. And that's when I realized that, um, maybe I could do it full time. So I still worked a day job full time at PayPal, uh, for probably five or six years after that point where I could re- realize it could be a full time job just cause I liked that job and I just couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't do both of them. <laughs> yeah. No doubt too difficult to, to run to like that. And no doubt by then the your passion for wanting to make more and more and more and the free time you yeah. needed to do that. Exactly. Wouldn't have, wouldn't have been there. Yeah. Would you ever have imagined back then that 1320 video would be as big as it is today? Definitely not. Yeah, definitely not. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty wild. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> it, it seems normal now, but sometimes I sit back and just like, one of the big moments where I was just like, this is so weird was when I, came to Australia for the first time. Um, the first person I really talked to in Australia regularly, well, I think Paul Beck, who was part of some of the magazines, um, I talked to him quite a bit. And then Adrian uh, Hodgson, I talked to him and I was asking him because he kept talking about summer nats and having us come over. And finally I was like, okay, I want to come. And it was like a couple months before summer nats, too late to, to set stuff up. So he told me, I should go to uh, an event in Sydney with Motive Video, Motive DVD. Mm-hmm. And so that was when I uh, went the first time and they set up a test and tune on Wednesday night at Sydney Dragway. And it just, there was thousands of people that showed up way more than they usually have on a Wednesday night and everyone there knew my name. And it was so weird, like other side of the country for the first time. And everyone's walking up like they're my friend. And, and I, you know, got a lot of friends over there now that I met from that trip and several others after that. What's that, what's that about? Uh, did, did it sort of open your mind to Australian car culture? And what was the shock for you of that? You know, like, what's the, is there a big difference between American and Australian car culture? I mean, um, yes and no. Uh, we're, we're both really passionate about cars in certain ways. It's just the, the, the cars that we build are a little different than the cars that you guys build. Obviously, we build a lot of cars that we go drive on the street. And you guys can't do that, even though yeah. some people will still. <laughs> and then we, most of the time we don't build cars just to go annihilate the tires other than drifting, uh, burnout cars aren't, haven't been a thing, but now they are becoming a thing, which is awesome. I love that the cross culture is happening and Cletus has been a big part of that. And I love it because ever since we started going to summer nets, it's like, we'd love to see it happen here, become bigger and bigger. Now it's fine. There's, there's finally like that playground, uh, to do it where the Cletus and Cars events and hopefully more events are going to come out of that where that's, you know, we've got skid pads just for that. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Going to summer nets was the, the Kuda Munder event I went to with Moda video, pretty similar. Like we have some no preps or runway events, but just a different caliber. We, we don't have the old skyline GTRs, but yeah. when we went to summer nets, it was just a whole different world. We're like, there's a blown alcohol, crazy cam car driving by like that you would only see pull off a trailer and go down the drag strip and back on the trailer head with that, but they're cruising around and it's, uh, yeah. It's definitely a vibe you don't get over <laughs> here. Like, that, that's what I do. Like pull up into a, a Canberra fairgrounds, just like 
well, they're just driving these around here. Like that's just something they start up, maybe like push with the golf cart to like a drag strip, fire up, do a pull and then push it back. It, it was really surreal to like pull up there and see that type of thing. Just mm-hmm. cruising around, chirping the tires with a big ass <laughs> cam. Just like I'm, I'm hooked. I have to come back to this. You can't find yeah. a summer experience anywhere else in the world, even in Australia, just the atmosphere. Yeah, it's something else. It's pretty much like uh, once you're inside inside uh, Canberra Exhibition Park, it's kind of like its own little world. You know, it's mm-hmm. kind of like you're in a little city for for four or five days. That's just wild. <laughs> yeah. You know, methanol. It's like a dream around. that just, you know, four days later it's done. And you're like, you walk around the park the next day and it's like it never happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird, except for some of the trash and the... <laughs> um, the odor. gets on the ground afterwards. All that gets cleaned up pretty quick, I think. And then, uh, yeah. you know, I think I think after you leave the event, you're so pumped and amped from it that you get home on the Monday or the Tuesday, and you sort of have the blues for a few days because it's just you're so on, you're so full of adrenaline for four mm-hmm. days of non-stop. You know, 16, 17 hour days as a car fan, just going nuts. You know, I guess. Uh, uh, to, just to touch on that, I'm. The thing I, I personally like about 1320 video is the way, the sort of the evolution of it. I mean, even clears to come from that and all that sort of stuff. Like, do you, do you, how does that feel for you to sort of, you know, I guess bring a lot of these things to life, you know, in that, that in that sense? Yeah, we, we've kind of created the, the world that we play in, whether it's knowingly or not knowingly, just kind of by attracting the, the kind of people we hang out with or going to film certain events that we've partnered with. Uh, it's, it's created this like synergy around the United States and around the world for streetcar style events like streetcar takeover here spun off from what we do with our tight knit group of friends here in the Midwest. A couple of them um, created that event. We partnered with them to make that big uh, TX2K had already been a thing at the time, but um, you know, that, that has just continued to blow up street outlaws. We filmed forever and then they had the TV show. Um, the no prep racing stuff. We, uh, we went and filmed like the original no prep their second year at uh, up in like the Illinois, Chicago, Indiana area. And now no prep racing is like this huge thing all over the world. I mean, there, there's no prep racing happening everywhere. Uh, so it's really cool that it's just, it's like there's, there still has been no better time to own a street car. It's just like the coolest thing um, in our world, at least like, it's just been awesome. It was like there's plenty of dragsters and stuff like that back when I first started filming, but not that many people like to drive on the street. Like a 10 second, nine second car on the street was wild. Now we've got guys driving seven and eight second cars. I mean, there's six second pro mods on drag week <laughs> and you know, one of them is drawn. Well, a couple of them have run fives, one at drag week, but they literally drive them for a thousand miles. Like who would have known that was going to happen? <laughs> yeah. It's just what a time we're alive in. Yeah, I remember seeing I remember seeing an image of remember seeing an image of uh a car in drag week, you know, it looks really funny, a car that that insane carrying a trailer behind it, you know, and just doing its its thing. Yeah. Definitely <laughs> one of the favorite events that we cover is oh, yes. drag week. There's that's another event that there's nothing like. You just add that's another one. It's like summer nights when it's over, you get back on like the Monday and you're like, Man, I'm just seeing cars pulling trailers around. Like, can we do like <laughs> Drag month? Can that be a thing? Yeah. Even on the drive home from, from Drag Week or Rocky Mountain Race Week, we'll be driving the highway and there'll be a U-Haul trailer in front of us. We're like, oh, there's a... Oh, oh no. Oh, dang it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's how we've gotten to know a lot of our Australian friends, even before I came over, was Drag Week because like, they just start frothing when they see it. There, there is the um, street machine 
a race now that happens, but you know, absolutely. 10, yeah, track challenge, yeah. For, yeah. Yep. In 05, when I went to the first drag week, instantly there were Australian fans messaging me like, how do you guys do that? This, what, what, this doesn't make sense. And especially as it evolved into pro mods, Australians are like, what? <laughs> yeah. I can, I've been to a few drag challenge events and, and the camaraderie between all the people there and the vibe is just so good. You know, the, Street Machine Drag Challenge, like, and, and I can only imagine Drag yeah. Week in the US is is amped even further. You know, it's a tight knit family of people that have a weird obsession with painful uh, torture of you know going on a road trip with no sleep and fixing their car all day for several days, <laughs> launching yourself 160 miles an hour down the down a piece of tarmac. Yeah, yeah, with your with your eyes half closed because you didn't get any sleep the night before. <laughs> yeah, sure. Give, give us a give us a glimpse into your world, Matt, about being part of the team and and just you know, constantly, uh, I guess, capturing content. I mean, it's, it's a pretty cool deal. Like, um, I was in pharmacy before this. So, uh, I met Kyle and before 1320 was a full-time endeavor. And I was like, if you ever need anything, <laughs> let me know. Like been a car guy for, for years before I met Kyle. So it just, it worked out one time and he's like, I'm going to Colorado to film some, cars on the street. Do you want to go? Like, yeah, let me call them to work right now. So I called them to work and that's about that. But so called them to work and drove out to Colorado and got my first ride along in some like thousand horsepower GTRs. And after that I was hooked. It's like, I want to do this as much as possible. So from just calling into work to doing this full time, it's, it's, it's been a, it's been a dream on, there's no other way to put it. It's just been a dream endeavor. What's the, Kyle, how's the, how's the, the car scene changed, you think, from, from when you started to what it is now and the transition from social media, from oh, I guess, DVD to social media? Yeah. Um, you know, it's just, it's, it's interesting because there's always been different little events across the United States that happen with enthusiasts and racers from those areas, but social media's ability to spread that word so quickly, like instantly, 10 years ago, you'd have to find like a magazine with an event, like literally a hot rod drag week. I went because the guy with that pickup with the viral video said, Hey, I saw on hot, the back of hot rod magazine. They have this event where it's five different tracks in five days racing each one. I was like, you know, I, I like going to the event, but I don't know about five days in a row. This, this sounds, I don't know if I'd like it, but we went anyway, but that's like, now you just go on Facebook, someone invites you and instantly you know all about it. You've got pictures and videos, you know everything about it. So it just makes it so much easier for people to find exactly the event or group of people they want to hang out with. And it's just like magnified the, um, the participation and just finding people that are cra- as crazy as us have the same passion um, to go do whatever they want. You know, go find the right event that you want to go to another big thing that's changed the game is like live feeds. You can open up your phone, hit a button, go live. And anybody on your Facebook can be at the same event with you mm-hmm. watching it on their phone. Yeah. Another big thing. I remember when that first came out, it's like, well, we might be in trouble, but <laughs> it's worked out. It's worked to our advantage. Honestly, we do a lot of the live stuff. And ba- I think back, when, back when I was doing videos, it was just, you know, I'd film something in the next few weeks or months. I would edit it and put it up. And that's, it was pretty typical back then, but now like vlogging wasn't a thing until like seven, eight, nine years after I started 
like people were doing it already. I didn't show my face for probably seven years. Um, but like the way people see videos, like I was one of the only people filming drag racing outside of like TV companies or a DVD production company to come in to film a big event. Um, I was the only one for the most part out there just filming them for fun. And everyone was confused for the first few years. Like you can't make money. You, you shoot photos to make money at drag races. And I didn't really find, like I shot photos and put them online, but I didn't try and sell them. It was just not that exciting. I mean, the, the videos just really were fun. I didn't really do it for the money, but now it's just, everyone's got a video camera in their pocket. So there's just so much media out there. It's been crazy. And it's yeah. all real time. And it's all just, I don't know. It's hard. To, it's sometimes overloaded, <laughs> but whole different <laughs> world now. Yeah. Obviously, not only videoing cars as well and creating content, but you're also obviously a car guy. You want to tell us about a bit about your car collection that you have currently? Sure. Um, I've got I've got two race cars. I've got <clears throat> I've got my uh, C5 Unicorn, the twin turbo. It's twin turbo stick shift, um, 427 Texas speed motor, um, and then I've got and that's about 1,200 horsepower, still stick shift. <clears throat> I haven't driven a lot. I had a bunch of issues last year. I fixed everything, went out, snapped an axle, cracked the diff case. First pass, so I didn't make any videos of that. Just got it back a few months ago, and I've just been enjoying it at home before I break it again. So uh, I've been driving my, my ZR1 a lot, which is a 2010 Corvette ZR1, and it comes with a 6.2 liter supercharged from the factory, but it's spun up with more boost and ethanol and um, also stick shift car. It's about 800 horsepower. I raced that this weekend and it's currently um, somewhere else broken with a broken axle. <laughs> so <clears throat> seems to be the, I've been having a little issues every time I have fun with it. One of the cars, it's just, you know, you know the way it goes, but we've yeah. got a big fleet of cars that we drive around. I've got my favorite daily. I've got, this is my second one is a Lexus GS350. Um, and we've got like a Yukon and two diesel pickup trucks to haul our stuff around. Yeah. Yep. And Matt's got, Matt's got a, I've got a 10th anniversary <clears throat> RX-7. It's my little project car right now. It's been yep. slowly buying parts for that thing because it always breaks those rotary cars, man. <laughs> we see a lot of rotary rotary guys in Australia. Yeah. Stop by a lot, yeah. Yeah, one of, one, one of the, uh, the, the burnout kings of Australia, Mad Mick Brasher, he's going to uh, put a rotary engine in his uh, KE20 Corolla. So he's always had a V8, a blind V8. So it's a big, it's been a big thing, but I think that that'll kick off some rotary stuff for sure, especially within the Summonets scene for sure. Really, really cool to see that. You, there's not a lot of rotary cars that show up to that. I mean, and this will be a pure burnout car. Yeah, it'll yeah. be. It's going to be insane. High RPMs going and shoot some fire too. <laughs> Very cool. There was the <clears throat> there was a I think a yellow car that we saw a couple of years ago that had a I think it was a supercharged 13B. I sent you pictures of it. Yeah. Matt wasn't at that one, I don't think. It was there in 20... <clears throat> oh, yeah, it was there the year it after. Is, it was there the last time I was there, two years ago. That was wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there's been quite a few crazy blown... Uh, it's not what you expect, a blown rotary like that, you know, especially with it, everything right. hanging out the hood and you're just like, what the hell's going on here? It's like, I, you know, just makes I was it. taken back when I saw <laughs> it. I'm like, I've never yeah. seen one like that before in my life. I <laughs> found it the year before Matt went. I found it because I heard it from, like three camp areas away. I was like, what the heck is that sound? Sounds like something's dying. <laughs> like this, like, this is in, intense sound, like crazy. It was just a wild idol. 
you guys obviously get around not just to Australia, but around the world. Like I've, I've been, uh, you've gone to Sweden and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've got a question for you. If you say if you're in Sweden at a car event there, how would you explain the Australian car scene to someone if they asked you? You guys are very heavy into the V8s like we are, but you like your superchargers a lot more than we do, which is cool. I respect that. It's, it's really cool to go somewhere and see different stuff. Um, you guys are super passionate about it too. And I don't think anybody kills as many tires as you guys, <laughs> truthfully, anywhere else on the planet. You guys probably have the market cornered for tire sales. Um, Sweden, Sweden does really good with street stuff, the street aspects. They've, they've got that down to a science. I, I'm pretty sure they might have invented street racing. It's <laughs> possible. And uh, we're just kind of like the melting pot based on what I've seen. We've got a little bit of everything going on. Um, yeah. We're slowly dipping into the burnouts like you mentioned earlier, but drag racing, drifting, we, we've kind of – just got a little bit of everything going on. Mm-hmm. Australians are like Americans, but uh, you like to show show the goods off a little bit more out the hood for burnout yeah. cars. <clears throat> and uh, you just don't care as much, like just crazy people. Like anytime we're around Australians, we, we have fun. That's a good time. <laughs> one question is when will we see you back, you think? Oh boy, <clears throat> that's a good question. We're coming back to Summer Nats again. I just don't know if it'll be this year or the next year. Yep. But we, we will be back for sure. Um, I'm supposed to, we were, we were trying to come back sometime this spring or, well, your fall, <clears throat> but uh, events are getting moved around and whatnot. So maybe yep. be back before the next summer nets. We'll see. But that, Australia is basically our number one place that we love to go outside of the, outside of the U.S. Just yeah, yeah. People, people are awesome and there's no shortage of cool content, weird stuff that we haven't seen before. And you guys always put on a show for us. It doesn't matter. <clears throat> I literally just... <clears throat> uh, we just finished up all the Power Cruise videos. Um, just put the last one up today, actually. And that was that was in Sydney. And that was just, like, so eye-opening. It was nuts. Just a big party. Kind of like Summer Nats, but just a different twist on it. Yeah, it kind of... That event just got through before all the shutdown stuff, really, I guess. Literally. I think I, think I was there when that cruise ship was in the port in Sydney, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, it would have been then, around uh, then, yeah. Then I went to uh, went to Perth for the uh, the runway event out there, <clears throat> uh, uh, Race Wars, and uh, that was really cool too. Finally got yep. to go to Perth in, in WA. And, and been, I've been to Melbourne, Brisbane, Sydney, and so it's cool to check out the other side of the country. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I know that, I know Australians dig your content, so we're definitely looking forward to having you guys back here, obviously. And, yes. you know, absolutely. Well, thanks for coming on, guys. Really appreciate you coming on the podcast. It's, we just it's, love coming and partying with people and, and uh, having fun and sharing it with the world. It's, you know, yeah. Be able to do it and but met lots of people, lots of good people doing it, especially in Australia. We, we love going over there. Yeah. You guys are doing what you're doing. We love the heck out of it. Well, I, look forward to, I look forward to seeing you guys here hopefully soon, eh? Yeah, sounds good. Sweet. Thanks for coming on. How awesome was that, Webby? Yeah, they're good. Uh, those guys love Australia, don't they? Absolutely. For, for a guy who's had such an influence on the way car fans worldwide uh, view automotive content, he's just so such a humble guy. You want to catch up with any content from 1320 Video, make sure you get over to their YouTube channel and subscribe. All right, we know his name. His name is Marv. He's the Rant King. What's happening, bud? <sighs> oh, 
I've been sitting at home trying to self-isolate, not from coronavirus, not from any other kind of virus, from people who drive around Sydney or attempt to drive around Sydney. You're on notice, people. You're testing the patience. I try to stay. I try to stay calm. I try to stay. I try to stay sane. What the hell are you doing? It's a speed limit. It's a target. You stay there. You don't get to 60. Drop to 50. Go up to 65. Drop down to 42. Pick your nose. Go up to 80. Drop down to 12 k's an hour. Nearly hit the girl riding the bike on the footpath. Then veer off onto the side. Take out, take out a styrofoam sign. Bloody hell, what, what the hell are you guys doing? You're not driving. And if you call that driving, bloody hell, that your instructor should have their bloody licence taken off then. Strike my... Just... Sorry, guys. It's all right, I'm, man. I'm, I'm, trying, I'm trying really hard. Like, it's not... There's Give no truck canner. Give me some canner. Like, <laughs> does canner have a good recipe for a nice brownie to relax me? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm not sure they do that. I'm not sure they, they can help with the vegetation and the growth and stuff, but I'm not sure what you guys are growing, but, you know. Oh, you know, it's, it's, I, I grew up near Gosford. Um, okay. It's... It's the roads are nearly empty, so why are they filled with dingbats? Like, just it should only be essential people on the roads, guys. And if you're essential, you should know how to drive. I mean, I think, like, if you can tie your shoelaces and walk down the footpath without tripping over yourself, if you can manage to program a TV without giving yourself some form of brain cancer, if you can, if you can make spaghetti bolognese at home and not burn the house down, you should be able to pilot a modern vehicle down the road without varying your speed 6,000 times, leaving the roadway, or, or any other having any other kind of calamity. It's not that hard. There's only six cars out there on the road at the moment. <sighs> I'm going to go off and try to look them up. <laughs> Perfect, mate. We'll catch up with you, eh? There's Marv. Thanks, Marv. <laughs> All right, what a legend. Next week's podcast is going to be quite interesting, Webby, because we've got supercars driver Dave Reynolds coming on the show. That's going to be – he's always a crack-up every every time I see him on the media. Uh, we've got the guru behind the Supercars E-Series, Nathan Prendergast. We've got the Ring Brothers. I believe you've done something really special there, Webby. You want to give us a bit of insight? Yeah, a little bit like the the deal I did with Troy, and uh, obviously I feel very fortunate to, to know a lot of those top car builders. So they've been very generous with their time. So, yeah, looking forward to for that one as well. Absolutely. And we've got one of New Zealand's favourite burnout sons, Hayden Wilby, with Nutout. He's going to come on and have a bit of a laugh with us. And and uh, he's a he's a super character, that fellow. I tell you, I spoke he's, to him last last week and he's pumped to come on the show. Absolutely. Yeah, he's good, eh? He was a lot of fun when he was out here. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. All right, we want to thank Troy Trapania. Don't forget that interview is coming up this Thursday night at 8.30, right, Webby? We want to thank Commodore King Damien Lowe. We want to also thank Kyle and Matt from 1320 Video. It's really great to have these such world-class car guys on this podcast. So we're really yeah. happy with that. Don't forget that uh, Summer Nats 2021 tickets and entries are on sale now. I know I certainly can't wait for that to happen. And I'm amped to stand on uh, Tough Street and breathe in the atmosphere with a definitely with a slushy in hand. What's your flavour go-to, Owen? What would you? It's got to be bourbon, mate, of course. Bourbon and cola. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Well, thanks for watching episode number six. I want you guys to take it easy and we'll see you next Tuesday. Please subscribe to this podcast and please subscribe to the YouTube channel and give the video a like. We'd really appreciate that. And again, we'll see you next Tuesday. Cheers.
All right, coming up on Podcast 7, Supercars driver Dave Reynolds, the guru behind the Supercars E-Series, Nathan Prendergast, the Ring Brothers direct from America, and Hayden Wilby from New Zealand. This one's going to be mad. See you next Tuesday at 8.30pm. Summoner!